The world as we know it continues to evolve and change into something that we can only hope to understand. This is why the registry continues to provide industry insights through personal interviews with the leaders who are shaping real estate on a daily basis. By subscribing to our podcast, you are helping us in our work, and we will continue to deliver programming such as the one you're about to hear. Please click the subscribe button and let your friends and colleagues know about us. It will help you and the industry stay ahead of the game. Today, we sit down with Michael Christ, the CEO of Seco Development. As the owner and sole proprietor of Seco Development, Michael's experience stretches over three decades. He has been purchasing and building real estate since 1980. Seco Development has been developing mixed-use projects in the Seattle and Puget Sound region with significant impact in the cities of Seattle, Bellevue, Kirkland, and Renton. As a principal in Seco, Michael is intimately involved in all aspects of development and is personally in charge of acquisitions and dispositions. He's involved in design, marketing, and financing while maintaining strong relationships with the cities in which he builds. Seco's latest project is Southport on Lake Washington, which offers an impressive Hyatt Regency hotel on the shore of Lake Washington with another 730,000 square foot campus in its background. The development is surrounded by housing, retail, and connections throughout the greater Puget Sound region. Welcome, Michael. Uh, Michael, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Vlad. Uh, it's it's a good day here. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Where do we find you today? Where are you? I'm in. Uh, I'm up on Capitol Hill, uh, taking a break. Then I'm uh, going to be going back down to Southport here uh, midday. Okay, excellent. Do you go to the office every day? Do you find that to be useful? <laughs> um, yeah, I've been going down there also partly on the weekends. So okay. I'm uh, we're working pretty hard right now. Yeah. Good, good. Excellent. Well, by way of introduction, Michael, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your background, sort of intro and sort of how you came into the industry, some of the things that you've done over the last sort of few years, and then we'll also jump into Southport, obviously, but uh, just a bit of a kind of, you know, setting the stage, if you will, for the for the listeners. In uh, 1990, I founded Seco Development, and we're largely an east side development firm. And over the course of these decades, we've developed over uh, 50 acres of mixed use. We typically built most of the buildings, but given the scale of the projects uh, we're working on today, now we work with large contractors. We had a history in civil construction in Asia and China. Okay. And we've managed and developed mixed use in this region. And and so part of that you've developed residential, but also retail, office, right? I mean everything in and, and in, in hospitality between. as well, retirement. So we what what is needed in a given area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any notable projects from from the region that we should know about? Well, uh, I developed uh, eleven acres in downtown Bellevue, primarily at that time because of uh, recognizing and respecting the amount of growth that was occurring within Microsoft. And then we moved to Mercer Island, where we built about $200 million worth of mixed use within the CBD. Yeah. Uh, in Kirkland, we did about 15 acres, including the property across the street from Kirkland Urban, the residential and mixed use, uh, Juanita Village. And uh, now in Southport, we've completed... 
2.4 million square feet on Lake Washington. And we bought a bunch of land down there for expansion now. Yeah, yeah. So you and I have talked about this, but I, I think it's a great story. You know, tell us sort of how you discovered Southport, right? It's 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 been a while that you've been looking at this before you bought it and kind of decided to build there. Tell us sort of how that, you know, what, what was the genesis of kind of that that acquisition and, you know, development? I've been living on and around Lake Washington virtually my whole life. I'd go down to the, that's a really special area in the lake because our most weather comes from the south, southeast. So it's a real still area in the lake. So it's that and going down there for the sunsets over the Olympics, et cetera. So I, I was really familiar with that part of the lake. And I bought it a long time ago. I bought it 20, 20 years ago. I got a phone call from a broker, drove down there, and there's a seven-lane freeway exit coming off of 405. Yeah. And I used to be in the civil construction business, and I s- saw that power grid, and, you know, it just, it's wired. And actually bought it without knowing what I was going to do with it. And um, at that time we were building quite a bit of housing. So I knew there would be a housing factor. Then uh, Wright Runstad approached us uh, for building Amazon's headquarters down there. And they moved that set of plans and that plan forward back in uh, 2000. And we kept kind of that notion alive and continued uh it had a desire for hospitality from the city so it was it wasn't just our planning it was what the city wanted it's you know with the growth in tech there were a lot of hands on the wheel 20 years ago or so when when you bought it uh that physical space not only looked very different than it does today but the region looked very different than it does today right and it was also Probably not as sort of central to the kind of global and national economy as perhaps it is today. Give us you know, some of your kind of perspectives as you've observed both of those evolving over the last couple of decades and kind of how, how you were, you know, you know, beginning to understand kind of what, what this, you know, Seattle region is going to become eventually. Well, it's interesting because I was very involved when I bought that land, we were still off to in Bellevue and et cetera. So I would counter that because I was living a very international life at that moment. You know, I do all my banking in uh, East Coast, but we always have a foot in Asia, et cetera. So we're, I would counter that. And I felt that place was more central because knowing the main roads here, you've got I-5, I-90, 405. That's the real heart of it. And put a pin in between those, you're going to end up right there in Renton. But also it weighs it down to the SeaTac airport. It's an international airport there and its significance. And we also have, you know, about a mile from our property is the uh, Renton Municipal Airport, which has more hangars than Boeing Field. So I, I... I understood it as a logical area of growth. And that's kind of why I think at that time, the biggest players out here, when it was first developed, it was manufacturing, it was Boeing, et cetera. And they had 
a choice of any site. They they located down there. Yeah. And I think you know, I saw I saw it as central, but I've always been kind of patient because there's a lot of other properties that we have and worked on. So we built out our Seattle properties, Bellevue, et cetera. But I've always kind of waited for the cycle to get appropriate for this, always recognizing this is, you know, there's there's too much logic in this location. Sure. And also, you know, a 57-acre park yeah. and being on the lake. I mean, there's nature's super important to us if we have, you know, that's what we do on our weekends. Why don't, why don't we, uh, you know, I, I don't complain about going to work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what was the moment when you kind of saw all of those, you know, the confluence of all of those factors coming together where and when it made sense to then begin developing? Okay, so part of it was we saw this for the housing. Anytime I built it, it filled. So that I just work within um, our own time frame. Yeah. So, you know, we're just adding housing. There's there's quite a bit of housing that's being built down there now. There are almost 3,000 new units that are being developed again right in our area. Uh, but for SECO, we waited for different cycles. There was a interesting window of opportunity to complete the hotel. And there was also a motivation with the uh, waterfront location. I wanted to make sure that we perfected the waterfront so that it wouldn't become nebulous as far as changing in regulations and et cetera. We had done, I worked backwards from the site. Typically you work from the beginning of the site and work your way to the far end. We had to start on the far end, which was the waterfront. Yeah. Again, to perfect that aspect of it. So we finished the hotel and it started off doing way, way better than, than we had even hoped for. Um, I think there was a pent up demand for this region to be able to get down on the lake with the exception of a smaller hotel in Kirkland yeah. on the water. This is the only one like it. Yeah. So, so just to take a step back really quickly. So, so the development down there includes obviously housing, right. And then the yes. hotel and then the office component, but it's also attached to like a, you know, big mixed use sort of. Uh, part of Renton, um, yep. right, right next to it, and and like you said, it's very nicely connected to you know the rest of the region and also the rest of the world via via the airports. Um, how 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 many units were were built there sort of initially? So I built three hundred eighty three units uh, of housing, but across the street, and you're referring to the landing. The landing has an eight hundred and eighty unit. Yeah. Uh, housing, uh, mixed use site. It has 600,000 feet of retail, you know, across the street on the, uh, next side of us, two new hotels were built here in the last year. So it's an area that's experiencing a lot of growth. Now top golf is putting, they're doing a really large development down there. Yeah. So more yeah. entertainment, you've got the movie theaters because of the affordability of housing. Now, the hospitals, the larger ho hospitals in this area are now creating their, they're relocating down into that area. So you have Kaiser Permanente, uh, Providence, yep. uh, Valley Medical University of Washington. So there's, there's quite a bit going on in Renton right now. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about the hotel. Kind of what, what was your vision behind it? And 
you and I have talked about this, but again, you know, I would I would love for you to kind of you know describe your sort of vision and kind of location of the of the building itself, where it kind of looks, and I think there's a there's a lot that you've sort of tied to. Um, sort of some very specific sort of things that you kind of you know know about you know people movement and you know you know that kind of stuff. Give us kind of an overview of of how that came about. It was really studying. We were very careful. I had the good fortune of working with the gentleman that was in charge of the uh, convention center at the time in Washington Convention Center. Yeah, uh, we also had yep and um, some experts helped us in its original inception and design there's a there's a big pent-up demand for large gathering and meeting spaces so we we built about sixty thousand feet of uh gathering and meeting space indoor and outdoor space okay uh which includes the second largest uh hotel conference room that has capacity of over two thousand people but it also it has can be bifurcated into multiple rooms yeah yeah we oversized the guest rooms with kind of a goal, and I believe it's been recognized. I wanted to build the best hotel literally in our state. You know, you get one chance on the waterfront like this. You have fiber to 100% of the guest rooms. You have all operable windows, VRF system, LEED certified. It has a lot of characteristics, but also uh, the indoor-outdoor space. So yeah. we wanted to... Our conference rooms all have waterfront views. Well, typically conference spaces are all buried back. Well, yeah. you can shut yeah. the, you can shut the curtains if you want, but I think better if I've got a beautiful view. Personally, um, it's more thoughtful space, and it was well received as that. Where you know our performance in COVID is off the charts. We were. In the first week of September, we were number one for full-service hotels of all the Hyatts in the country. Okay. In the last four months, we've been in the top 10 in the entire country. Okay. And that's interesting because that's not companies with their shoulder. That's people in our region. Yeah. You know, it's the workers and everyone else. It's staycations. With the infrastructure there, we get a lot of people that use them as work-from-home space. Uh, literally yeah. taking rooms for that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people do their kind of think tanks there. They, they do small gatherings. So, so, so it's really exceeded all expectation, it sounds like, right? And it, it has, and, but, yeah. but it, it takes a lot of diligence. That's why I'm there on weekends where we added all these outdoor spaces for one's comfort. We wanted to start off safety first. So we, we came in and even before it was mandated, we had the, sign saying this private property if you don't have a mask on you're not invited yeah and then you know the sanitation centers and the signage and you know we we put a lot of diligence right away and that was february and then we started building we started doing uh cabanas and tents and really started utilizing the outdoor space because it's more comfortable we started off, we did 50 chairs or 50 people. We added another 100. There's 150. Yeah. Uh, by the time we were done, we had 300 places with social distancing. And and that's what we're in the fact uh, re-envisioning here with heat and everything else for the uh, fall. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're staying diligent. I bought a lot of furniture as of late. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, they're not 10 tops anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, it make, makes sense. And But this is also not by accident, right? I mean, it's not like you sort of accidentally did all of these things. Um, a lot of this was very thoughtful, right? I mean, you and I, when we spoke about this earlier, you've told me that um, you know your you know your wife is a scientist, and you know you've you've mentioned earlier they've always kind of had sort of one foot in Asia, so you were a little bit probably ahead of the curve and in terms of you know preparedness and expectation of what a pandemic or sort of a disease like COVID might bring, right? So it it sounds like part of that was part of your design too. Is that is that correct? I feel I'm also very lucky. A lot of the motivation was there are a lot of lessons. I thought some of the most thoughtful uh, large-scale developments that I've witnessed are in Shenzhen in China, where Tencent, et cetera. <clears throat> and they were, because it's so worker-centric, they're not building high-rises. It's all low-rise property. So the ability for workers to interact and everything and towers don't make sense yeah and so they were looking at that and i think it we're seeing a rebuilding of microsoft campus etc i think it follows more in suit of what we're envisioning and did envision so we have underground concourses that interconnect our office to the meeting rooms in the hotel also the capacity so all of our you know we put 17 stairwells in our office building and low rise building just for the efficiency. If I'm hiring people, I want them to do what they need to do as efficiently as possible. Yeah. We put 25 elevators in the three low rise buildings that now I feel so lucky, you know, because we also have structured parking that all but three floors, you can actually go from your parking directly into an office building. So you start thinking of the ramifications at Tower, you'd have in the same footprint, you'd have 4,000 people working going through 10 elevators. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't work in yeah. COVID. Yeah. So these are things I think that people are grappling with right now. But, you know, our tours uh, down in the office have actually picked up in the last, since September, uh, we're doing more tours than uh, we ever have. Yeah, and that's a that's a good segue because I was going to go there next, essentially. And some of those initiatives you've done with the hotel, operable windows, sort of wide open spaces, wider walkways, you know, the garage that sort of, you know, takes you right on your floor kind of deal, right? Those are all part of that. And, you know, so it wasn't just something that was done on the hotel, but part of that development is the office complex next door, right? So tell us mm -hmm. a little bit about that. 700,000 plus square feet, right? What was what what was the vision, right? And and kind of how how did you see that as sort of a as a major development in that in that area? We had the good fortune of having an incredibly experienced developer do the first version of it, and that was when when Wright Runstad had developed it for Amazon. Yeah. And then we stayed very near to uh we hired ZGF, and I also had the good fortune of Greg Crape, who had done millions of square feet in Asia, et cetera. So he was an amazing resource. And he was president of our company before going back and, and working on the uh, Microsoft campus now. Uh, but he, we looked at it and saw things that were 
what had happened in Asia, uh, like Tencent's headquarters, et cetera. <clears throat> so we modernized even what was perceived to be their headquarters back in 2000 and created greater, it's, it's for that whole connection over the first floor, four stories of the building, truly interactive in ways that people are not yet doing in this region. So it was, that vision was also driven by a recognition, the initiatives, the carbon neutral districts and et cetera. That's something I, uh, I embrace and I'm enormously committed to, you know, we have to pay attention to our environment. The systems that we placed, we have a DOAS, which is uh, dedicated outside air handlers. So you bring clean air to every floor, but you're not mixing air floor to floor. And we oversized it because of my own phobia about old air. We also put operable windows as as a nod to what Amazon was doing. So we did operable windows through all the floors and everywhere, over 2,000 operable windows. We put decks on virtually every floor. So the indoor outdoor space, we have um, in common space, a hundred thousand feet of common space in 730,000 feet. So that's off the charts for what speculative office builders would do. (laughs) Right. But it's what these companies are doing for themselves. So I kind of took that next step and I built it as if I was, and then I stayed very, very, I mean, there's not a big tech company that I haven't toured their campus here and in Asia. I'm fascinated by where it's going. And it just happened to have played well with COVID. And as you mentioned, you know, my wife's a microbiologist, this was predicted. And I don't want to be a doomsayer, but COVID-19 is COVID-20, 21, 22. There's lessons we have to learn from this. Um, We can't afford to shut down every time there's a next variant. So, you know, we're, you know, on the next 15 acres, we're, we're, we're committing to low rise. We're not, you know, we're, we're back to what was the old parking ratio, three per thousand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but we're also embracing technology with this. It's not going backwards because I believe in electric cars, I think, are, you know, it's not going to be four of them in a garage. You know, we have 46 of them and we're trying to figure out how we're going to double that already. And in our next phase, I think it's going to go up exponentially. So it's electric cars. We're working on a district for autonomous vehicles in the area. And so I think there's a whole revolution with this opportunity of working from home where is home because historically people worked in a business location then climb in their car or climb on some it was a commuter's world yeah yeah i don't i don't think that's you know i think it's a whole ecosystem you know and that's what that's where renton is so ripe because you have all the food groups, you have retail, you have hospitality, but you also have something that's not reachable in other markets, anywhere on the east side for sure, uh, nor in Seattle. It's the affordability of housing. You've got housing that you can actually buy. It's half the price of Bellevue and Seattle. That's that's significant. But as we build the office 
the next phase, we're building housing as well. So we won't create an imbalance. And uh, so we're, we're very cognizant of that ingredient. There were studies on why people leave, why there's so much turnover in tech. And the two reasons given are housing and the commute. Well, let's yeah, solve that. Yeah. Let's put it all in one place. And where can we do this and stay in that I-90, I-5, 405 triangle? And let's then start adding other ingredients. So we finished, and part of the hotel's success, we finished all the docks finally after four and a half years of permitting. So we have all okay. the docks <laughs> connections. So yeah. this dream of doing the water taxi becomes more of a reality. So we can connect to the yeah. tech centers yeah. and connect them to the housing opportunities that we have, but also the vibrancy of entertainment and restaurants, et cetera. So really create another pleasant way of getting to work. So it's not a reason to leave. Yeah. And then the commute. So it, you know, we're solving something in the commute, but we're also, you know, we put a helistop on our second office building. We put a special dock for seaplanes down when we built the docks. Okay. So people can interact between their offices in BC, et cetera, and just the whole touristic side of it. Um, yep. We're paying yep. a lot more attention to the airport than we ever did. It has more hangar space than Boeing Field. So for private jets and, you know, the commute, the commuter jets, et cetera, that whole kind of international characteristic becomes more of a factor. Yeah. And also reality, right? Yeah. 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 So given, given sort of your understanding and, you know, your, you know, you've, you said you visited a lot of campuses around, you know, the country and also overseas, how do you think a developer, you know, needs to look at projects in the future? First off, pay a lot of attention to technology. So with the Internet of Things, um, 5G for edge computers, the uh, latency and that infrastructure. So the power grid becomes a critical compare. You know, that's an ingredient that is necessary to focus yeah. on becomes the backbone. It's it? a backbone. So we bought the hub. It used to be a power plant. Power goes two directions. So it used to supply power, but it's also, we have five grids that come into our next site. We put two grids into our existing office building. So I think power is a critical ingredient. It also is going to be that power that would be for all the charging stations as well as fleets and et cetera. That has to become more robust and uh, more understood. I think the ability for people to get to every office with or without an elevator becomes something someone someone must ponder. I don't think we can afford to shut down and work from home. I think that's a new ingredient in everyone's life. Yeah. But it can't be a mandate in the future. I think we have to figure out how to live under the threat of pandemics, that's going to change the way people design their campuses in the future. If someone doesn't have a plan B, they're missing an oar in the water. You know, yeah. I'm working with people that can't go to their offices or it takes a half hour to go up to their office in the elevator. We put 10 different lanes to come into our single, our first parking garage. So you're not 
you're not held up anywhere. And I think that access and interaction is just a component that we have to embrace or yeah have to be very thoughtful about those things mm -hmm. right and yeah. i think air handlers all that you know all yeah. that has to uh, evolve and i think it's gonna you know you've got buildings with the recovery in asia the highest building in in shanghai right now i think it's sitting at 60 percent vacant or 60 percent occupied yeah i mean that's not I think there's a lesson there. I think we just have to be thoughtful about this. And I think we're going to see tech and everybody else contemplating the healthy quality and also the, uh, the housing and commuting. I think those are all factors that have to be embraced in this. Yeah. So times like these, challenging times, but they're also times of opportunity. How is SECO preparing itself you know, for, for the next cycle? What are some of the things that you are looking as an opportunity for for your organization so we're we're uh working on the a million and a half feet of expansion in the office and we're watching how successful the main tech companies are in this region particularly with web services and there's going to be an enormous growth here and where is it going to take place so we're we're positioning ourselves to be that next place, but also yeah. kind of an innovation hub. So we're trying to include infrastructure that would not be available elsewhere, but also just with cost of land and et cetera, to make it a good deal. If you're going to use three quarters of an acre to put 730,000 feet because of the cost of land and everything else, you can't achieve the facilities that we're creating nor what we witnessed in asia so we're buying a lot of land so we bought 15 acres we're buying additional land as we speak for expansion so we're we're committed to this region and fulfilling that in adjacent that's our, that's our main focus is expansion in in the southport area we feel that's the best bet you know i'm not selling the property i have in seattle but i think it's going to be a tough decade for me there and I'm, I'm excited about uh, Amazon's expansion in Bellevue. You know, that's 12 minutes north of us down there, but we're equidistant to I-90. So I think that's going to drive tech further and further, uh, basically into our lap. And I don't, I've never underestimated Amazon. I mean, they're, they're an enormous power. And, yeah. and with, with that, tech tends to want to be shoulder to shoulder with the others. And we're trying to make our, I guess more livable uh, than some yeah. of the other areas, some, some of the other districts, because we won't. I'll do ten percent of the density that they would contemplate and create a lot more open space. Work with with that, and there's there's room for it down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been um, there's been a lot of negative news, obviously associated with with the pandemic and the economy and unemployment and all of that kind of stuff. Given everything that, that that's that's you know happening, given kind of where things are today, what what gives you hope? What what positive things you see out of coming out of all of this? You know, Seattle's going to be the place. You know, it's I used to live in San Francisco. Um, it's not going to work. Kind of breaks my heart because I love the city. Yeah, but it won't work. You know, those towers and et cetera, that's, that's, uh, that's going to be a scary place, not for everybody, for some people. And I hate to say it. I mean, it's, 
we move one desk in my company because, you know, I care about the people that work there and I need to make it comfortable. San Francisco is going to, it's become politically uh, inhospitable to a degree and the pandemic is not going to help it. So I think we're making, we're making space for people coming up from the Bay Area. We're making space for people that are growing in this area. I mean, if you really think about it, when you look at companies like uh, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook, they've grown, their, their worth as companies has grown roughly 50% during the pandemic. Yeah. That is a force that we have to, you know, we have to prepare for that. That is, that's going to be this enormous impetus for growth in this area. And then stand back and look where what's where's where will it be? It's got to be connected to the airports. We're prepping for it, so we're getting you know, and we're welcoming other people into our area too because it's more work than Seco can do. You know, yeah. we've got there's a group that's doing a thousand units across the street. I am tickled. There's room for this, and people pondering their next headquarters. Where are you going to do it? Are you going to do it on the 37th floor in a high rise or do you want to have a floor of your own that you can park next to so it's so there's my salesmanship for the moment but (laughs) i just see that it's i I just see the logic of it and i think you know it's it's trying times i think the growth in the infection rate and everything else is something we have to be very very cautious about and wear a mask be be safe but we'll make it through this and uh, we're going to thrive in in the greater Seattle marketplace. Great. Um, Michael, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and hearing your perspective on what's happening in this industry. Stay safe. Vlad, I really thank you for this platform because I'm excited about this moment and what we've achieved. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thanks, Michael. 